This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Let's turn our attention now to sports. For us here in the Midwest, that's a topic that's been kind of off limits at the dinner table the last couple weeks. The overall performance of Big Ten teams in the March Madness tournament has underwhelmed all of our brackets. It's been rough, folks. But there's more big sports news that we've got to talk about, including the NFL's new DEI mandate. The league is requiring teams to hire more women or minorities for the 2022 season. Here to break down those stories and much more is WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout. Welcome, Cheryl, in studio. Uh, yes, I'm alive. I'm well. Yes, you're real. <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Uh, i got to start with uh, Midwest teams in the NCAA men's tournament. They were rather disappointing. Oh, that, that's an understatement. Yeah, talk a bit about the performances, uh, you know, from some fan favorites, you know, Illinois, Loyola. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, Loyola men, DePaul's women, and Illinois State's women all were one and done. Mm. Then you look at Illinois. They had a really rough first game and then a rougher second game. Neither, neither uh, Loyola or DePaul or Illinois State or Illinois could shoot the basketball. So they're all done, gone from this. And that's a shame because there was a lot of hope. You know, you'd figure because there would be some momentum. But with the Big Ten, they had nine teams going to the tournament. For the men, mm-hmm. none of them made it past the Elite Eight. Yikes. That's pretty bad. Well, Andre Curbelo from University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign just announced that he'll be entering the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. What is this going to mean for the team? You know what? I expect that that was going to happen because in that last game when Illinois played, Andre hardly played. He only played 10 minutes. There was something going on between mm. him, him and the head coach, Brad Underwood. And in fact, Brad Underwood was asked about it after the game. He would not answer. Anytime somebody doesn't answer, you know that there's something underlying. Uh, and it's so a telltale when, sign. Yes. So when Andre made this announcement on social media, you knew it had to be something that happened last weekend. Don't know exactly what it is, but something was going on. Something's going on. Um, we had high hopes for Purdue as well, but the, the 15 seed Peacocks seem to have other plans. Uh, tell us a bit about St. Peter's. You know, what, what can put them ahead of these high-ranked favorites? You know, every time there's a story like this, we call them the Cinderella stories. And to me, they're the bracket busters. <laughs> they were the 15th seed. They beat number two Kentucky to start it. You know, that's a blue blood uh, school to be able to beat them. And they were expected to really go far in the tournament. Then they beat Murray State. Okay, seventh seed. But when you go into the next weekend, and the fact is that they were able to beat Purdue. You know, Purdue was, a number, yeah, Purdue was the number one team on and off this, this season, you know, as far as the college rankings go. Then you knew, you know what, this team was great for the story. They're in a small college in New Jersey. They only have a couple thousand you know, students, period. And they were able to do that. So we felt that way 2018 with Loyola. And St. Peter's really expanded that to go as far as they did. Wow. Well, you know, on the men's side of things, too, we're, we're looking at this wave of blue, mm-hmm. if you will, right, mm-hmm. with North Carolina, Duke, uh, Villanova, Kansas, all in the semifinals. Who's the favorite, though? Well, you know, it's interesting. Kansas is the only number one seed to make it that far. And there, there's expectations for them. It could be any one of these teams. Of course, the sentimental favorite is going to be Duke because Mike Krzyzewski, who went to Weber High School here in Chicago, grew up here. He is retiring after the you know a long career. Mm-hmm. He's playing North Carolina in the first first game, which is interesting because North Carolina beat Duke badly 
at Duke's home court. To add, you know, so mm. it's got it's kind of kind of so there's a lot of storylines there. Villanova they lost one of their, their terrific players, Justin Moore. He uh, ruptured his Achilles tendon in the last game. So I think Kansas is going to be the favorite because they really played well that second half of game here at the United Center on Sunday. Mm. And let's talk about the women's side of things for, mm-hmm. for a moment. Tell us how some of the Midwest teams performed. Well, the Midwest teams didn't do as well as, as you know as expected. We thought they'd do better. Michigan actually got into the uh, the lead eight, so that was a good story. But here with the women, you have three of the top seeds advance, and the other one is UConn, which was number two, who knocked off number one, North Carolina State. The story there was it was a great game. Sasha. I'm at the Blackhawks game, watching the Blackhawks game, and on my computer, I'm watching the women play. <laughs> and you're a busy woman. Yeah, Paige Buchers. She had a game. I mean, this is a she is a sensation. She is likely going to be college player of the year. She went off for 27 points in the game, 15 in double overtime. Wow. I mean, that's that's was, huge. It was good for women's sports because the NC2A has got a lot of things wrong when it comes to the women. But having a game like that, I know a lot of people that watched it and they were just impressed because it was really a, a really well played game. It wasn't like a lot of turnovers or anything. It was really great execution. Mm -hmm. So much to get to. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you are just tuning in, that's WBEZ sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout with me here in studio dissecting the NCAA. Now we'll talk about the NFL. we got to turn to the NFL, Cheryl. Teams and owners are meeting now in Florida, and they're focusing on diversity, specifically the league's DEI goals. What do we know? Well, that's part of the Rooney rule that was put in place in 2003 where they wanted teams to start uh, interviewing uh, people of minority for head coaching jobs, for assistants, for offensive coordinators, for defensive coordinators, for, for GMs. And it hasn't really gone well because Brian Flores, who was with the Miami Dolphins, who was fired, who was up for several jobs, didn't get one, and he's suing the league. So the NFL realizes they have a problem with this. But the interesting thing, they changed it yesterday. The Rooney Rule now has this new addendum that they have to look for a a woman or a minority to be an offensive assistant to the head coach. A woman or Or a a minority. minority. Right. But, yeah, Hmm. that said, um, I think there's going to be more pushing for women because the, the teams have been very good about on their social media, of course, using that platform to, oh, we got a woman doing this, woman doing that. So you're going to see more of that. I think they know that the microscope is on them, yeah. that they have to do something. So what's their target to, to get more women or people of color in the league? Yes. Right? Yes. And and it's for that specific job, offensive Assistant, assistant. Which, which that's a huge deal. An offensive assistant is a real, that's a step, that's a higher step. What do they do? Well, it would be probably helping with the X's and O's or, uh, you know, learning some of the terminology, being able to break things down, uh, being in, just being in the room and absorbing all that. Because once you're in a room and you absorb that, and then you can start adding to it. You can start being part of the conversation. And that's what's really important. That's the only way that they're going to advance. What's the likelihood that they'll actually do what they say they'll do? It's kind of interesting. They have to do it. It's not like they. It's not like a, an either or. They have to do it. So I think there's so much because that Brian Flores lawsuit is huge. It is. It is over them. It's. It's. It's hanging over them, and they know that they have to have. They have a reckoning if they don't do something. Hmm. Before we get off of football, any local news with the Bears that you can update us on? Yeah, unfortunately for uh, Ryan Poles, the GM, who's tr- he's really changing that roster. 
with trades, not signing players. He had an offer to, to a, a restricted free agent, Ryan Bates, an offensive lineman that they really wanted because they want to revamp that offensive line. Unfortunately, the Buffalo Bills matched that offer, so now they have to look in another direction. Mm, okay. Quick switch to the NBA, Cheryl. What's the season been like for the Bulls? Up and down. Yeah. Up. Lately, it's been down. The road uh, record They were doing been... so well. Yeah, yeah. So well. Well, since the All-Star break, they've had the second most difficult schedule in the league. Then they had these injuries that, you know, have compounded things. The other thing is that teams know that DeMar DeRozan is the guy you have to neutralize. They didn't, he didn't get neutralized last night when he had 37 points against the Knicks. However, the bench did nothing. They did not were unable to score from the three. And Kobe White, who played well coming out of the All-Star break for a little bit, all of a sudden he's not hitting those shots. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get that outside shooting going, and you can't rely on Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan to do everything. That said, they are in the fifth spot. They need to stay in that spot. They do hold the tiebreaker against uh, Toronto, your team, yes, and also Cleveland. So it's important for them to uh, maintain or uh, improve. Yeah, they got to make those changes to, to bring back some of the optimism that we've had. It was. It's been a fun season. I mean, it has. you know, for somebody like me that's been covering that league for almost forty years, you know, to see them come back and having some of these players come back. And the one thing about the whole thing with the NC2A and the Bulls, having fans enjoying the game again. Exactly. Uh, Switching gears, news broke earlier this week, Cheryl, that the Ricketts family, who own the Cubs, they're one of four on a list of potential buyers for the European soccer club, uh, Chelsea FC. So tell us more about this. Yeah, it's an interesting situation. Um, They have, they are one of four to get the final bid that the, the, uh, the one that will be get it would be April 16th, and then they'll have 10 days to close on it. However, there are some wrenches in the in the works with them. Uh, the fact is the emails by the patriarch of the Ricketts family, Joe Ricketts, about his, his Islamophobic, his race, racist uh, emails came out, and that has really put a wrench in what's going on over there. And so it's going to be interesting to see if they can, you know, take care of that issue. I don't know if they will because mm-hmm. the fans have a lot to say about it. And there's a huge Muslim community in where, where the, where Chelsea's at and they're not happy. So remind us, why is owner uh, Roman Abramovich looking to sell and, and why do the Ricketts want to buy? The reason why he's a Russian oligarch and he, he knows that everything is frozen. So he was trying to sell it before everything got frozen. And gotcha. in fact, with the team, they cannot sell any tickets. They can only have the season tickets can go there. They're, they're kind of like frozen. That that team is frozen. So the only thing is that they, they, can, they have to sell it. The Ricketts already own the Cubs, mm-hmm. and they earlier claimed that they were broke. <laughs> but now they're looking to buy Chelsea for $3.3 billion. Yeah, you want to get the Cub fans angry, just talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just trying to make it make sense. And, and I think that's what, because the one thing about that particular soccer team in England, they spent money. That's why that team became one of the best teams in, in the league is because they spent money. And the fact is, when you have this label of not spending money, that doesn't go over well with fans here or there. And Cub fans, it's going to be a long season. What's this about a poisoning? That I, I had read in, in its, its news is that that Russian oligarch had, was supposedly poisoned uh, with him and a couple other people when they were trying to do negotiations with the Ukraine issue. Oh, wow. And so... Um, that just came out yesterday. Do you think that this this suspected 
act of violence, really. Yeah. Do you think that it may affect the sale of Chelsea? I don't know. I don't think it will affect it because I think that that's completely out of his uh, uh, his hands now. He does not have any control of it. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like we've been seeing this increase of folks investing in European soccer, right? Thinking of LeBron James, for instance, yeah. and, and buying into Liverpool. What do you attribute the influx to? They see the dollar signs. And they know that soccer is an international sport much more. I think when you look in, in our sports, the NFL has not cracked Europe. Uh, baseball has not cracked Europe. NBA has a little more of a broader reach internationally. But when you really look at hockey, not, 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 not really. Not so much. So soccer has a bigger, bigger draw internationally. Yeah, it makes sense. And so that's where, you know, and that's where... It, People want to invest their money because that's where you could make money. Before I let you go, Cheryl, what else are you paying attention to this week? As if there's not enough on your plate. Well, uh, I'm watching the the Blackhawks. I'm seeing how badly that they're doing. Last night they had a four nothing lead. They end up losing. <laughs> they really oh, no. right now. But there's a, there's a lot of things going on for for me when I, I personally I'm watching the Cubs because I have a nephew that is trying to make the team as a left hand pitcher. Oh wow, <laughs> yeah. that's so cute. How old's your nephew? He's good. he just turned twenty nine. He's been uh, bouncing around with the different teams. Okay, had a great uh, winter ball with Puerto Rico, and he was named the best the best player of the league. So keep your fingers crossed. He's been doing very well with the Cubs right now. Keeping my fingers crossed for those Bulls too. <laughs> well, tonight's a big game. They're playing the the Wizards in Washington. They have tired to of win my dad game. bragging over there in Toronto. I know they had a big <laughs> win last night. But but one of my favorite players, Tad. Uh, Tad Thad Young had a great game last night, so kudos to him. Good stuff. Well, that was sports contributor Cheryl Ray Stout from WBEZ. Thanks for being here, Cheryl. Thank you, Sasha. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.